Hi, I'm Darren Peppard. Welcome to the Leaning into Leadership podcast, the podcast dedicated to today's hardworking leader. Join me every Sunday for leadership insight, inspiration, and a little pep talk to keep you rolling down your road to awesome. Okay, folks, welcome in to episode number 39 of the Leaning into Leadership podcast. Um, it's my honor to welcome Dr. Donna Marie Cozine to this week's episode of the podcast. Uh, Dr. Donna Marie Cozine, or DMC as she is known to her friends, helps overworked and exhausted educational leaders establish work-life balance so they can lead their organizations and live the lives they deserve. She's a leader, author, speaker, podcast host, and an executive coach. She's the founder of Renaissance Academy Charter School of the Arts in Rochester, New York. She is passionate about helping leaders find personal and professional happiness. She is a multiple-time Amazon best-selling author, and DMC is just simply somebody I think the world of. So I can't wait to share this interview with you. I know you're going to enjoy it, but first, folks, allow me to take a quick pause and say thank you. Thank you to each and every one of you who listened to the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. Earlier this week, our show eclipsed the 5,000 download mark. This little show that launched in January of 22, I had no idea where it was going to go. I had no idea how it was going to grow, but it has grown tremendously. And it's all because of you. So thank you for listening Thank you for sharing. Thank you for your reviews, for subscribing. Everything that you do, I greatly appreciate. And I will continue to work really hard to bring quality content to you. Those great leadership gold nuggets that come from these incredible guests that I've had and that I have coming up. So thank you so much for supporting the Leading Into Leadership podcast. It means a tremendous amount to me. I'm going to also say this, something I'd like to add is the opportunity to answer questions, maybe follow some of your ideas for a guest on the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. Shoot me an email, share your thoughts, share your feedback, and share your questions. You just might hear them right here on the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. And now on to the interview with Dr. Donna Marie Cozine, better known as DMC. Folks, I will see you on the other side. All right, Dr. Donna Marie Cozine, thank you for joining me here on the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. I am super excited to visit with you. How is everything going with you today? Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm very thankful to be with you today, Darren. Things are beautiful over here on the East Coast in Rochester, New York. It is finally the sun is shining, which uh, at this time of the year is a bonus for sure. You know, I hadn't I hadn't put this together yet, but you are actually my third guest on the podcast from your basic geographic location. With uh, um, Coach Jim, Coach Jim Johnson is right there in Rochester, and Brian Martin just a little bit west of you there in Buffalo. So um, interesting. I just I guess one of those weird observations that really doesn't mean a darn thing, but it's just kind of. Just kind of cool. So um, really quick, uh, Donna, just for my listeners who maybe don't know who you are, just the quick elevator, who you are, where you're, well, you've already said where you're coming from, but you know, who you are and what, what you do right now. Sure. Uh, I'm Donna Marie. My friends and colleagues uh, call me DMC. 
and I am loving my life right now. I retired as the CEO of a charter school that I founded uh, a year and a half ago. I retired. And now I am full-time consulting with superintendents and their cabinets to ensure that they are highly effective and everyone is reaching their goals. And of course, students are achieving their ultimate levels of success. I love that. And I, I think it's just really interesting to to just kind of talk about the consulting piece. I mean, obviously, you and I are both in that space. We've, we've had several conversations about consulting uh, both me on your podcast and then just conversations together anyway. Um, one thing that just pulls out from, from what you just said there is how your consulting is focused at the superintendent and cabinet level. I mean, you know that, that mine primarily is geared towards, towards principals. I do work with, with full cabinets. Um, we have an author here at Road to Awesome whose book is coming out in the next couple of days. Um, actually, by the time this, is, this podcast is live, the book will already be out. And it's focused on her work around instructional coaches. There are so many different spaces in education. This is where I'm going with that, that a lot of that wonderful outside support can make such a difference in the end user, in that, that student, in student outcomes. What, what are some of the things that you're feeling and seeing? I know you're you know, a year and a half into doing this work now full time. What are some of the advantages, some of the benefits you're seeing for those superintendents and cabinets that you're working with as a result of your consulting? Yeah, thanks for asking that question. And um, Darren, obviously, you were, you were a former superintendent also. And I think the number one thing that pushed me in this direction is that being a superintendent is extremely lonely. You know, you cannot um, often share the struggles that you're having, whether you're with the board or with cabinets or people or teachers or teachers unions, and not having somebody that you can reach out to, to, you know, process through those things can be extremely difficult. Um, and, you know, it's funny, when I went from being a teacher to being uh, an administrator, I said to my mother, well, I love teaching, you know, I, I'm impacting the lives of 130 students. She said, as a principal, you can impact the lives of hundreds of students. And then I think about superintendents, right? I mean, superintendents worry about everybody in their organization. You know, sometimes they get a bad rap that they're only, you know, um, you know, you know, they're not engaged in what's happening in the schools, but most superintendents have risen to that level because they want to see change. They want good things to happen for their children. And it's a matter of really understanding how to compartmentalize things that are happening, how to set boundaries and um, really move forward as a professional in your organization while also developing that cabinet, right? Because your cabinet are the people that you need to have as experts in their area. I have found in right now working with two organizations, which is great. I love being a one-stop one -stop shop where I can work with the superintendent and the cabinet. And we're having amazing results. I just got an email yesterday from the superintendent that said, the retreat that you did um, this summer with us was life-changing. Everyone keeps talking about it and everyone is on fire for the work. And that's what I want to do. I want to be that third party that can come in and say, I'm here with you. I'm, I'm in the foxhole with you. I've been there before. Let me help you figure this out. You know, that, that takes me right to a podcast that I listened to yesterday. I, I don't know if you're a fan of Ed, Ed Milet or not. Um, 
But his podcast, uh, it was a, it was an episode from July of this year. He had Rory Vaden on, who's a uh, personal branding expert. And one of the things, I think it was Rory that said it in the episode that, that is just resonating with what you're saying is in our space, in the work that we do, we are uniquely positioned to help the person we used to be. Yeah. You know, I, I think about, you know, I just mentioned, and I, that's not like I need to be secretive about it. It's Ashley Hubner's book on instructional coaching, uh, Foundations of Instructional Coaching that's coming out. Um, she's working with instructional coaches. That's who she was. You know, for me, yes, I was a superintendent. I'll always, always identify as a recovering high school principal. So for me, <laughs> I feel uniquely positioned to, to support principals. And obviously, your passion with the superintendent work uniquely positions you to support superintendents. Um, I just, I think that's a really important piece in, in the consulting part of what we do is that people remember we're doing that work. We're helping support that work because we have been there and done that and not just have been successful, but have struggled. Uh, I'm curious how, how struggles that you experienced as a superintendent help you to support other superintendents and maybe successes too. I don't want to just go to the negatives. You know, that's so funny. That's one of the things I talk about with superintendents is that we always tend to go to, um, instead of starting with celebrations, we always kind of go to what can we do better with, but um, what's broken. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Let's fix it. Um, My role was really unique because I started out as the founding principal of this organization and then became the CEO and grew it to, you know, um, a K six, over 500 students, you know, I think most of my successes stemmed from the fact that everyone knew that any decision I made was going to be based on what's best for children. And one of the superintendents that I currently coach actually used to work with me um, as a director. And she always says the one thing I used to say all the time that now she says to her team is, are we trying to solve a problem for a student or are we trying to solve a problem for an adult? And let's focus on solving it for the student first, and then let's see what the adult needs after. Um, And I think when superintendents keep that in mind, like everything we do, the only reason we even have a job is because of these amazing children. If we keep that in our rear view mirror, we will always make the right decision or the just right decision, as I like to say. And as a superintendent, I was faced with some crazy things I had a parent try to run me over in the parking lot while I had my hand on my second <laughs> second grader. We were walking hand in hand. Literally, she tried to run me over in the parking lot. Oh my. So, I mean, things that I never thought would happen, happened. Um, and I can bring some levity to that and to say, like, I know right now this feels heavy. This feels, like, insurmountable. But that feeling is going to go away. Eventually, you're going to heal from this. Let's focus on how to get there because so much of what we do as superintendents is so aligned to our heart and our soul and why we're doing this business and having somebody, like I said, who's been there because think about it, right? When you are talking to somebody and you're, you're trying to explain something, they're like, I understand how you feel. The first thing you want to say is, no, you don't understand how I feel. How can you understand how I feel? Well, I can because actually I've been there. I might not have had this exact situation, but trust me, there were many, you know, and that we can use the experiences of what we've done or what we've helped other superintendents get through 
in order to do that because there is strength in numbers and in supporting each other. That is so critical what you just said because as I'm listening to you talk, it made me go back you know, to, to my superintendency and half of my superintendency was, was during the pandemic. And I found, even though I was really good at building a network and had a lot of really good, you know, colleagues and friends that were superintendents with me in the state, it's a lonely job. You know, being a principal is a lonely job and it can be really isolating if you allow it to. So having that that third party, I, I like to refer to it as that third point of view that, you know, can give you some input, give you some thoughts. Um, I'm curious maybe how you approach it. For me, very rarely am I telling somebody this is what you should do, but rather just asking a lot of questions. You know, what might you want to do here or what are you thinking about here or something like that? I want to ask that and then I want to come back to the to the cabinet growth piece. But but let, let's chase that for just a just a second you know, how, how you're approaching supporting that superintendent to keep them from being lonely? Yeah, I think that's really a great question. There's a lot of things in that question I want to address, but the first is actually when I work with superintendents and cabinets, we go over a framework that I developed in my first book, So You Want to Be a Superintendent, called Your Leadership Drivers. And the first thing that you really figure out is what type of leader are you? What type of leader do you want to be? Do you have alignment with your organization. And then we look, then we look at some of the hard skills, you know, organization, uh, creating relationships, decision making. So I set that foundation, that groundwork that we're always able to go back to. We're anchored to that work. But you're right, Darren, coaches don't tell, should not tell you what to do. I'm not going in there to be the de facto superintendent. Been there, done that. I would rather help others improve their schools. So it is asking a lot of questions. As a matter of fact, um, we were, I was with a superintendent uh, last year and we were talking about making sure that you are, when you're going in for classroom observations, if you're going in or your principal's going in or your instructor, director of instruction, that you've all calibrated. And I made a recommendation. I said, well, this is what I've used or whatever. And I, a couple days later, got an email and she said, well, thanks so much. We decided to go with Danielson. I was like, great, perfect. Let's focus on Danielson. I wasn't upset that she didn't go with the framework I recommended. It's not my school. I was psyched that they had a conversation and came up with a framework that they wanted to use that was right for their building. So it is about having those conversations. It's about kind of water dropping, if you will, certain things so that they can consider it. And again, I'm not the superintendent. That person has to make his or her own decision and live with it. And they know the culture of their school and their stakeholders much better than I will. So it is, it is really about having those conversations um, and allowing them to come to their own decision. I think that's fantastic. Uh, you know, when, when I made the jump to being a superintendent, a big part of why I did that went back to my experience as a high school principal. And part of it was, yes, I had this, oh, you got to chase the next job thing in my head, which now I look back on and think, Come on, man. But um, a, a big part of it was I fell in love with growing leaders as a high school principal. You know, I, I had I had three assistant principals and, you know, I had a, a team that I had inherited. They all went on to, to being principals. In fact, one of them is a superintendent now. 
But then when it was, I got to hire my team, then it was really, I got to grow them and I got to help them. And, and I found so much passion in that and realized that as honestly, as a high school principal in a, in a large high school, that was probably my primary responsibility was to grow those leaders, jump into the superintendent role. And that's honestly why I wanted to do it. I thought, oh, I can, I could grow even more leaders by doing this. What I found was the superintendent doesn't really have time to do that. So I, I'm curious in, in, what, in the work that you're doing now with cabinets, this was going back to the cabinet question that I, that I wanted to touch on. What are you seeing from the superintendents you're working with or the ones you're having conversations with around their ability to, to grow their leadership teams? Or is that something you're helping to do as a part of your work? That is another great question. You and I have both been there where, you know, the road, what do they say? The road to hell is paved with good intentions. You know, you <laughs> yeah, yep. sure that you're developing your people, but when you're putting out fires and dealing with the board and the state and this thing and that thing comes up, it's very difficult. I will say the only thing, the only reason I survived my superintendency or CEO ship was a strong team. And I developed, when I left, there were 13 members of that team and all but two of them started in our school in a lower position and they were grown through that organization because what they had was that mission-driven work ethic that we so very, so very much needed in our organization. Um, you know, we were a charter organization, 92% uh, free and reduced lunch, you know, lots of challenges for the community from which our children come. I mean, it was just a lot of things, but investing in them was important. And when I realized I didn't have the time, you know what I did? I hired them executive coaches. <laughs> I said, yep. Dr. Jason Berman, I hired him as my leadership coach for the team. I had a separate leadership coach who was a, a superintendent, but I brought my friend, he's my friend now, Jason. And I said, Jason, I need you to we ran our summer retreat because I needed to be part of the team. I couldn't be running the work. Um, and I'm really proud of what I left. And that's what I find with superintendents. We want to grow our teams, but unfortunately, all these other things are difficult. So what I've been doing is meeting with the superintendent. So I'm a confidential coach to the superintendent, and I'm also coaching the teams as groups. So we'll meet and set goals for the year interesting the two schools that i have right now are very interesting because one is a state school for the blind and the other one is a state school for the deaf and they they're very different because they have uh their residential programs but this is the first time that the two schools have been able to come together and like share what's working and what's not working and it's been amazing to be able to do that so we'll bring i'll bring the teams together in small numbers in, in small groups but when I was explaining it to the one superintendent, I said, I think the easiest way for me to explain this is this. I work with your leadership teams. So they will be successful, will set goals, et cetera, so that you don't have to do it and you can work your own job. And she said, I'll take two, please. You know, so, you know, it's <laughs> about them having someone. And when we had this uh, leadership retreat, because I like to do what's called a launch retreat prior to the school year, they said to me, uh, one of the persons said, I've been in this role for seven years. He's the, the director of special services. He said, I've never had professional learning like this before. I've never had an opportunity to sit with my colleagues and learn from them and collaborate with them. And that's what it's about because Darren, I agree with you. I feel that the number one job for us as leaders is to develop more leaders because 
there's a day that Darren retires and Donna Marie leaves and who's going to step in when we're ready to step out. And if we don't have people ready, we haven't developed that leadership pipeline, then shame on us because it's our children and the children in that organization who are going to suffer. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I, man, there's a lot to unpack in that answer. I love that. Um, I, I want to go actually for a second, I want to go to to leadership retreat because um, y- you and I have so many parallels in the work that we do, yeah. and um, it, it's something, folks, that that I think everybody should understand. Um, there's not like a competition with with me and oh. DMC. We we yeah. both do a lot of the same work, and we want to lift each other both up to do that right. work. And I think that's true of ninety nine percent of the people that are out there in the space. I, I, I preface what I'm going to say with that because. Um, I do something very similar. Our high-performance leadership teams, two-day retreat, mm-hmm. all because of exactly what you just said. The superintendent can't lead their own retreat because no. they really need to be a part of the work. Yeah. Uh, I started doing that as a high school principal. I would use an instructional coach to facilitate our leadership team for our goal setting, for even just the you know like the day in day out kind of you know stuff that needs to get accomplished. You know how are we laying out evaluations? How are we doing this, this, and this? But most importantly, to get that calibration on the team that you talked about. So I, I wanted to point that out again and, and maybe, you know, maybe just talk just a touch more about what that that launch retreat really, really drives into the school year. Because it's huge. It is. It is. And, and thanks for picking that part out. I want to say that um, I learned about retreats. When I became an executive coach for the college board, we had some schools up here and they did these retreats. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm like, retreat? Who needs a damn retreat? Just get the work done. Like that's, that was my, my (laughs) right. Yeah. And then I went to my first retreat and I was like, dang, how come I haven't been having these retreats my whole career? Because you get out of your head, you get out of your building, you get to another location, you have a facilitator who's asking those questions. But my retreats this summer um, basically had the goal of working on our own leadership and understanding what we need to be the best person we can be. Because part of my thing is work-life balance. Because what pushed me to this work was my husband said to me in the kitchen, we did not sign up for this. And I was like, what? We didn't sign up for what, a credit card? He's like, no, 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 no. The kids and I did not sign up for this you didn't tell me it was going to be like this when you started this school. And I was like, "Uh Oh, you know, so a big piece of it in my launch is like, how are you going to survive? You know, what, what changes are you going to make in your leadership journey to make sure that you survive and that your family is getting the best of you and not the rest of you, because that's what happened to me. I was not going to lose my family over it, you know? So that's a big part of it. It's us as leaders. Then we talk about in this particular case, it was, Um, us as a school leadership team, they set a mission for what their leadership team goal was going to be and how they were going to perform and and make decisions. And the third aspect of this was really building relationships between these two residential special ed schools, because they're only two and a half hours away or three hours away, and I'm smack in the middle. So I could be that conduit for both to say, oh, you know what, Erica's dealing with that in the dorms at this school, and Benny's dealing with it at the other school. Let's get together and talk about this. So um, really what I want them to leave the the launch retreat with is a feeling of that fire in their belly. Like, oh my God, I can't wait to get this school year started. And I want them also to know that they have people 
on their side, not just me, but these other colleagues who are all dialed in um, and believe in their goal and their action plan for the year and are there to help support them because a win for one is a win for all of us. We will return to the Leaning into Leadership podcast in just a moment. But first, let me ask you a question. Have you ever said to yourself, man, I should write a book? Well, if you have, then let me ask you another question. What's holding you back? What keeps you from taking the step that moves you from, I have an idea about a book, to I am a published author? From experience, I would bet it's probably you're wondering who would even want to read a book that I wrote. Maybe you're questioning the idea. Is it unique enough? Is it valid enough? Is it good enough to be a book worthy of having published? Hey, as a best-selling author myself, I can tell you most writers have had the exact same feelings at some point in time during their writing journey. Here at Road to Awesome, we believe in cultivating leaders by elevating voices and promoting positivity. And a part of that work is publishing books for educators by educators. Go to roadtoawesome.net and hit the contact us button to set up a free, no obligation conversation about your book idea. Hey, educators, we've all had incredible experiences. We all have amazing stories and every one of them deserves to be told. Go to roadtoawesome.net, hit the contact us button. Let's have that conversation about your book idea. And now back to the Leaning into Leadership podcast. Absolutely. I think that's fantastic. Um, there, there's so many great things that can come out of getting that calibration at the beginning of the year. And, you know, you you kind of let in with, you know, why do I need a retreat? You know, I need to get the work done. Well, the truth is the retreat is what helps set you up to actually get the work done. You know, maybe you don't get the work done in those two days. Maybe you, maybe you get some of it done. But most importantly, it gives that clarity of purpose and clarity of role and all of that kind of stuff from the from the very beginning. Um, there's you know a handful of schools that I've done that that same type of retreat with as well. And one of the ones I'm working with you know, this entire school year, we're we're meeting every single month. And a big part of my work is you know when when we meet you know in the middle of the month is to pull them back back up out of the weeds and say, okay, now remember. You know, at, at the start of the year, these were our goals. This is where we wanted to go. These are the norms that we have set as a team. Are we following and still, you know, abiding by those those meeting norms and communication norms? You know, the, this was important for you in August. And you and I both know that often something's important in August. Get through the school year and you get to May and you're like, oh, yeah. Because you get right. in the weeds and you get lost, you know, and um, so that's that's kind of what I'm doing is trying to pull them up up out of the I, weeds. You know, I, I, I want to go ahead. Yeah. You go ahead. I was just going to say you use the weeds metaphor. I call it whack-a-mole, right? So <laughs> you've got this goal, but this problem pops up. Whack it. This one, whack it, whack it. You're playing whack-a-mole as a leader all year. So to be able to, at this retreat, set these intentions of what goal you're going to you know, what goal you're going to achieve and create action plans with dates by which these actionable steps are going to be created makes a huge difference. And that's exactly what I do the same as you, except we meet, I meet with the superintendents every other week um, and the teams about monthly as well. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that's fantastic. It's, 
<laughs> whack-a-mole. That's that's another great way of saying it. You know, it could be putting out fires, could be playing whack-a-mole. I actually, I like the whack-a-mole. That's that's really good. Um, you, you touched on, you touched a little bit. I know, yeah. You touched a little bit on the leadership pipeline um, yeah. as you were going through there, and I know that's something you're also doing to work with teams. So let me let me set up our conversation about the leadership pipeline with with this. Um, I had a conversation with an assistant superintendent not long ago in Virginia who I think he oversees, I want to say it's six high schools, might be five, but two of his high school principals, arguably his two strongest, both left to take district level positions, which good for them. I mean, that's going to happen if you're growing your people, that happens. But a conversation he and I had was not, I don't know if I can find high school principals. He was confident he would. What he was worried about is, am I going to find people to come into these roles that are prepared to then grow their their leadership team? And and he said something during that conversation that I, I've repeated a, a dozen times. And kudos to to my friend Tom Nichols; he's the one who said this. People people think that the leadership pipeline is empty, and I completely disagree. And what Tom said just really drove it home. The leadership pipeline still is there. There are still people entering the leadership pipeline. In his perception, and, and again, I agree with it, they're moving through the leadership pipeline so rapidly because there's this vacuum on the other end, superintendents retiring, principals going into superintendent roles, that people are moving more rapidly into positions through the leadership pipeline. Um, I say all that to ask this question. One, is that congruent with what you're seeing? And and two, how are you helping the districts you're working with to, to ensure that the leadership pipeline is either not empty or people aren't moving through it at light speed? So the leadership pipeline is not just superintendents and principals. I see the leadership pipeline going much deeper than that, and I'm sure you do as well. So you're not just developing your principals and your system principals. You're develop, developing your department chairs. You're developing your committee chair people. You're developing people in a committee that you see have promise. You're having conversations with them. You know, have you ever thought of going into leadership? Or, hey, I've got this opportunity for you. When you have an intern coming in because they have to do their hours, you have to really have a very wide um vision of what leadership is and i'm not just talking in your building we're also i'm not just talking about like principal but what about when your office manager leaves who we know the school administrative absolutely when she or he leaves who's coming in there you know so when i talk about leadership development i start with generate these tracks you should have an operations track an instructional track um you know is there a third track in your organization you know in large organizations you have to think when the transportation guy leaves or woman leaves in the middle of this busing situation, who's taking over for them? So it's really a much bigger, um, it's a much bigger schema than just superintendent, principal, assistant principal. And also I think it's, it's critically important that districts have a system for developing these people. It's not just, oh, Darren's a nice guy and I like Darren, we play pickup basketball together. I'm gonna pull him in or, you know, Donna Marie and I, uh, our kids are in the same dance class, so we get to talk once a week. I think she'd be good. No, no, no. You need to have a system. You need to have a thought out system that is going to pull people into the leadership pipeline. And a very funny story. My sister, who's my self-care person, meaning like when I, I feel like I want to 
yell at somebody, I call her and she's like, D, it's not that big of a deal, right? <laughs> in the middle of the pandemic, I was talking to her about my book and starting my you know, company. And I was still working at the school. And she said to me, nobody wants to be a superintendent right now, D. Who would want to do that? And I was like, here's the difference. There are people out there like me right now who are saying, I could do this better. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have launched school like this. I would have launched like this. Those are the people I want to work with. Those people who are like, yeah, things are good, but I want them to be amazing because I know that working with those people, I can get them there. And what motivates me is that the end game, the end result is a better experience for our children because that's what it comes down to. Our kids achieving, our kids being their goals and our kids just being happy to be in school. That's just fantastic. Uh, you hit you hit a couple of things that um, that are really near and dear to my heart, and, and actually connect to a little bit of work that I've done. Um, one, what you're talking about with identifying all those other folks in those leadership roles. Um, good friend of our show, Dr. Randy Russell, out in uh, Freeman, Washington, who was a guest earlier on the show. He calls that the tap on the shoulder. You know, yeah. it's it's finding those people and tapping them on the shoulder. Have you ever thought about leadership? Or I think this would be a good fit for you. And um, a couple of years ago, I did some work with uh, somebody who's now a superintendent. At the time, he was a high school principal. And it was all about building his bench is the phrase that he used. And it wasn't just about, hey, I want to start loading people up to potentially fill my assistant principal roles or to fill my role when I leave the high school principalship and become a, become a superintendent. It was, I want to make sure... and. We did a whole two-day retreat around building his leadership bench. I mean, when you're intentional about it, and and ultimately when when he took the superintendent role that he took uh, this past spring, you know, it was easy to okay, this is the this is the next successor in this role. This person's ready for this. There were a couple people from the staff who actually went on to take AP roles elsewhere in the district because they had some okay. spaces leave, but they were so intentional about it. You know, that's that's key. I, I want to jump though to um to your book um you know you you mentioned it um you you said you know that your sister said something like why would anybody want to be a superintendent that ties right into the title of your book so you want to be a superintendent what what drove you to to go forward with that project and what are maybe some of the goals that you've had with that book uh, now that it's out there you know in the environment as long as it's been so 18 months before I left my organization, I knew I was leaving. Um, my daughter was aging out. I started the school when she was in kindergarten. She was four and she was leaving. And my husband and I made a conscious decision that I would be moving on from that organization. So in preparation for that, I thought to myself, like, what's my chapter two in life, you know? And I thought about the work that I had done to change my life from being that person who's had her face in the computer all the time and her husband was like, uh, breaks, we didn't sign up for this, to actually having some really good work-life balance. Um, I was able to handle a lot of things in a, in, during that tenure. I remember my board chair said to me, you bring the you bring the calm when there's chaos. And I thought, you know, I'm really not that special. I mean, I'm just a person, but what have I done with myself and, and some of my clients and friends that have um, that has enabled us to be effective uh, leaders? So I started reflecting on that, and I came up with my driver system, which really is if you if you dial down to these seven aspects of your leadership style, and you excuse me, not leadership style of your leadership, 
and you really understand them and you work on developing them, then you can be the leader that you were always meant to be. It's funny, I'm working on an article um, with an organization today and they asked, um, can anybody learn leadership? Um, or is it just something that you're born with? And I feel like with leadership, there are, there are two skill levels. There's the hard skills, like I need to build a master schedule. I need to be able to run a P&L report. I need to be able to do a presentation to the board on the budget. But then there are those soft skills, like um, I can have conversations with people around instructional development or you know whatever it may be you're having conversations and, and relationship building and um humor and all of those things and i think there are those two different types of skills that we need as superintendents principals etc and um by working on developing those i think that there are people out there who want to be leaders and as long as they're open to knowing that they're not perfect and that with some time and effort you can improve but they come with it with a growth mindset. I remember I was talking to an executive coach many years ago. Um, her husband and my husband worked out at the gym together. They came out for dinner and she told me what she did. And she said, but I don't work with broken toys. And I thought, what? Like you're a coach. And she said, no, I, I don't work with broken toys because if they don't want to put the work in, I'm not going to devote time either. And I thought to myself, at first I was like judgy. Like, I thought you're supposed to help everybody. But now I'm in the business myself and I'm like, you know what, if they don't, if I'm working harder than them to, for them to improve their practice, they don't deserve me <laughs> because there are five other people out there who want to work hard yep. and want to get results, you know? So that idea of, I don't work with broken toys that I first like was like, Ooh, I was judgy DMC, but now I understand that, right? If you're working with that superintendent, he or she has to want the outcome more than you do. That is that is so powerful. Um, you know, folks, I, I hope you're taking notes. If you're, you know, if you're driving and you're listening to this episode, you know, I don't know, turn on your notes file and give you give yourself some audio notes here. Donna is dropping just some absolute leadership gold nuggets all the way through this. Um, I don't work with broken toys. I was actually going to ask you earlier, and, and the conversation went a little bit different direction about exactly that. You know, what do you do when you have a client who's who doesn't want to grow, and it, that just answers it perfectly, because we, we all are going to run into those folks, right? You know, yeah. I mean, I, I I had some as a superintendent, you know, that, that maybe didn't want to grow, or a principal who you know had a teacher who didn't want to grow, and at a point in time, if you want it more than they do. You, you need to pour your efforts into somebody else, right? Yeah, exactly. And it's it's not a failure on my part. It's not a failure on my part to say to somebody in October that I've been working with since August, you know what, I think you need a different type of coach. And um, I just don't think that this relationship is working and you're not, you're not getting what you need because, you know, I'm not going to play a blame game, but you're not getting what you need out of this relationship and neither am I. <laughs> I wouldn't say that, but, yeah. you know, I think and I can make some recommendations for you. You know, just like you would if you were seeing um, a physician that you didn't like or a therapist that wasn't giving you results. But again, you have to they have to want it more than you do. Um, I, I can jump in and be their biggest cheerleader, but I can't want it more than them. Yeah, that's that is just absolute gold right there, you know, and and. Leaders, here, here's the thing I want you to take away from from that. You know, it's it's not necessarily that you know this is 
you know, what consultants need to do. Yeah. If you, if you're, if you're doing that work, you know, as a side hustle, you're a consultant listening. Yeah. That's, that's great advice, but it's also great advice. If you're a building principal, you're a superintendent and you have somebody who, I don't know, maybe, maybe you've had them on an improvement plan or you're trying to help them grow or if they just don't want to grow, they have to want it more than you. That is just, Donna, that's absolutely brilliant. I really appreciate you sharing that. Let me let me go to our final question uh, yeah. that, that I ask everybody here on the podcast. So, so your turn to tell us, uh, DMC, what are you doing right now to lean into leadership? I love that. Um, so one of the things you know, I do with my leaders is I come up with a personal mission, personal mission statement. And my personal mission statement just to cut to the chase is basically to use my gifts of leadership to help others. So one of the things that I'm doing is leaning into leadership is I'm taking leadership roles in some uh, community organizations. Uh, my little league, I'm on the board there and I'm learning um, about that and helping them kind of get a little bit better. I'm running grants for them. Uh, also helping a friend start a not-for-profit golf league, but also really working to get this idea out there about teams, leadership teams, cabinets, whether it's a principal in his or her cabinet or a superintendent in his or her cabinet, that is going to make the difference because that saved my life. You know, having people who were competent that I could say, could you please do this and come back to me instead of me running around like a chicken with her head cut off, um, that is what's going to change. And my leading into leadership, other than, you know, extending myself to other community organizations is really just trying to get that message out there that leaning on other other people is the only thing that has ever helped anybody achieve their goals and we are not on an island and uh lean in and let others help you as well that's fantastic so i'll put it in the show notes but just really quick how if people want to get in touch with dr dmc how do they go about doing that yeah, so I'm on all the socials, so I'll give you those. Um, but my email probably is the quickest way, which is DMC, my initials, at consultdmc.com. That's perfect. Yeah, and I will put, I'll put all the socials, I'll put the email address in there, all that kind of stuff in the show notes. So folks, make sure you reach out, um, get in touch with DMC. I'm sure you love this episode as much as I did. Um, Donna, thanks so much for giving me some time here on the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. Thank you so much. And I look forward to continued conversations with you in the future. Yeah, absolutely. What a great conversation with DMC. I hope you were able to pick up all of those great gold nuggets of leadership that Donna was dropping step by step throughout the episode, including those leadership drivers that come out of her first book. If you haven't connected with her yet, all of her social media information, her email address, links to her books, links to her website, all of that you'll find in today's show notes. And now it's time for a pep talk. Earlier this week, I was on Twitter and I saw a tweet that Erica Garcia at FlyingMonkey13 had shared about teachers being superheroes. The gist of her tweet that set off a wonderful conversation by so many great people was that teachers should not be referred to as superheroes. Her reasoning behind that was not that being a superhero is derogative, but rather that it sets up this belief or this mindset that we always have to go above and beyond, that we always have to be on duty, that we can never stop and take care of ourselves. I agree with Erica 100%, but I'm going to push back. And I'm not pushing back against her thinking. 
but I'm actually going to build on it. You see, I'm one of those people who refers to teachers as superheroes all the time. When I speak in a room full of teachers and I talk about your origin stories, it comes right out of that work as a superhero. Now, do I think that superheroes always are on call, never can take a break? No, I think that's part of being a superhero. I think that's why I still will refer to teachers as superheroes. All educators are superheroes, but just like those big superheroes, they also have to take care of themselves. They have to have boundaries. They have to know where their edges are. Think about some of the toughest of those origin stories for some of our superheroes. It's not like Batman hasn't gone through some really dark times. And when he does, he retreats to the Batcave. Heck, he's got Alfred there to help patch him up, put him back together. As educators, we got to have an Alfred. Superman had the Fortress of Solitude. A Fortress of Solitude. Sometimes we have to be willing to retreat and take care of ourselves, mentally, physically, spiritually, and as human beings. Teachers are superheroes. I agree with everything Erica said, but I'm going to build on it just a step further and say, hey, I really think you are superheroes. But be like those superheroes who are willing to take a step back, take care of themselves, have boundaries. Hey, do the best you can for as many as you can, as often as you can, but not at your own expense. That's your pep talk for this week. That's your episode of Leaning Unto Leadership this week. I hope you have a road to awesome week. Thank you for listening to the Leaning Into Leadership podcast, brought to you by Road to Awesome. Don't forget, click subscribe, give a review, and share this with somebody who might also enjoy leaning into leadership.